Welcome to the Wiser Wealth Management Roundtable, where we believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I am your host, Casey Smith. Guiding you to financial freedom are my co-hosts, Brad Lyons and Matthews Barnett. Hi, Brad. Hi, Casey. Hi, Matthews. How's it going? Thanks for coming back to another podcast. Glad to be here. It's great. So today, our topic is how to recession-proof your household. During COVID, I feel like things got pretty sketchy there for a lot of families trying to understand, okay, how's my income going to change for certain industries, restaurants, retail, just decimated. And that's made me start to think about some stats that I've seen and I I went and and updated them. Only 25% of Americans have emergency reserve. You think about that as probably very high on the higher income spectrum, but in middle America, we're probably well below the 25% for emergency savings. I think that's scary. One of the things that we work on here at Wiser is helping people find financial freedom, financial peace, prosperity, generosity, right? And Very often in the good times, we, clients, average person walking down the street, we don't think about what happens if this all falls apart. We're just enjoying the good times. A lot of us tend to think about purchases as can I afford the payment versus can I really afford to spend money on this every month or can I continue to pay this if there were a disaster in my household finances? So we've come up with some ways that you can recession-proof your household. And hopefully this will be beneficial to our listeners in a variety of ways. Maybe think about things a little bit differently. And some of it will probably be a little surprising. And then some of it, I think, is pretty common sense. In my household, if I say the word budget, that means that every single thing has to get cut out and we go to a bare bones system and there's lots of conflict where really budget to me personally means every dollar has a purpose. So if you want to budget for a dollar to go do something fun or have no purpose, there is a purpose for that dollar. It has no purpose. It's whatever I want to spend my money on. But in terms of preparing for recession, there's a saying, a recession is when your neighbor loses his job. A depression is when you lose your job. So you can have a national recession. You can have a recession in your portfolio or in the economy, I should say, and you you have decline in your portfolio value, but you still have a job. You still have income. So I want to transition into what we call five steps, five steps to recession-proof your household. What do you guys think the first step is? I think probably one of the first things would be, like you mentioned, the budget. I know even when we're working with retirees and financial planning, a lot of it's based off what they can live on in retirement. And that's based off of their budget, broken down into various things, but really they're necessary, like food, clothing, shelter, transportation, healthcare, really what they can live off of. You can't just say, well, I might be living off this. You need to have a kind of a a defined budget. There's plenty of ways to do that. I know there's apps like Mint. Most of the bigger banks have pretty good budgeting apps and even some of our software programs through Money Guy Pro have budgeting apps as well. But it'll show you the various ways that you spend money. And I think it's probably different right now. 
Uh, a lot of people don't realize how much they spend when they go out to eat or earn travel. And you haven't really been able to do that recently being locked in your home. So I think it really shows what you can live off of and kind of how the, the expenses change throughout the year. I think the important part there, and I believe that you said it, is in an emergency situation, understanding what your minimum costs are. Right. Food, housing, transportation. You can worry about the discretionary ones, but you need to have those necessary things covered. Right. In my head, what I think when you say that too is cash flow. I have this budget. I have this car note. I have this minimum loan payment, student loan, credit card minimum payment. So that transitions into if you want to have a household budget that's the smallest possible. You need to eliminate any debt that you have. That's right. See, the budgeting process helps us to separate our dollars from those that we own and those that we owe. Speaking of those that we owe, it's referred to as debt. We have credit card debt, mortgage debt, car loan debt, student loan debt, etc. Some debt is good and some debt is bad. When looking at our debt situation, the first thing we should really do is separate the good debt from the bad debt. And the best way of doing that in one sentence is to determine good debt, the economic value of the purchase you made lasts longer than the payment period. Great example of that is for a home. You pay a home off over a period of years, but the house, the economic value of that house lasts for a much longer time versus credit card debt, which is bad debt. You go out to dinner and use your credit card to pay for it. The economic value of that dinner lasts a couple hours, but those payments could last for months depending upon your circumstance. So that's bad debt. And we want to attack that bad debt first. And there's a couple different ways that we can do that, Casey. Two popular ways to do that are one is the avalanche method. And the other is the snowball method. And in the avalanche method, you look at the interest rates and the balances on those cards first and attack that and try and drive down that high interest rate debt. The snowball method also works, and that's looking at the size of the debt and attacking it first. By eliminating the smallest debt first, you can then take that payment and apply it to the next smallest debt. And then when that's paid off, you apply that payment to the largest debt. And that's why it's called the snowball effect. Part of it, too, is you have to have a change in mindset. So if you say, okay, I'm going to eliminate my debt. I want to make sure that I'm prepared for any kind of recession, personal household recession. It's almost like you have to get angry about it. These people are charging you 18%. Now, you put it on there. <laughs> you, you charged it. <laughs> yes. You did it. But they're charging you 18%. Or maybe if it's just 10%, that's pretty high these days. That's still very high. You almost have to get angry about it and say, you know what? I'm tired of living like this. And I think step one, probably on eliminate debt, is don't use the credit cards anymore. You set them to the side. You're a cash household. Now, you don't have to go to the envelope system and pay with actual cash. I think I've recommended that maybe once or twice to just extreme cases, but just say, you know, the credit cards are left at home in a drawer and I have this debit card and that's all, that's all I'm going to use. And then after you realize that, okay, I know what my minimum payments are and then I can apply $500 extra or $2,000 extra to the debt, you use your avalanche or your snowball method to go through and eliminate that. I've seen families that we've canceled here, on average, get things turned around in about 18 months, if they get radical about it. We've seen people 
sell cars, borrow a car from a family member that was probably what we call a junker, but they drove it for 18 months until they, they get rid of all their debt. And then they went back and paid cash for something still very used, but a little nicer. Well, it brings up a good point that most people don't find themselves in debt overnight. Correct. It occurred over time. And it's going to take time to get out of debt. And having a plan to do so, either the snowball method or the avalanche method, they're plans. Pick a plan, stick to your plan. Absolutely. And say no, say that you're on a mission. It's almost like, you know, my kid's school, they have the thermometers out front for the giving campaign. They shade in as they give more. You want to stick that in your closet, right? And, and say, this is my debt level. This is how I want to get rid of it. And you kind of shade it as you get rid of it. I read an article recently about a man who just wanted to get his house paid off. And he literally created this thermometer in his closet and had these blocks. Every block represented $1,000 in principle. His house was paid off by the time he was 35 years old because he just was so debt adverse to doing that. I think a good recommendation and something that we, we talk about here when it comes to homes even is bare bones. You want your house paid off before 65. We could have a whole podcast just based on that. But if you're getting out, going to get a new loan, 15-year, try to get a 15-year. 15-year rate right now is around 2.75% for a 15-year loan. You pay that house off really quickly by doing that. But when you have a situation where you're trying to get through an emergency financial crisis, you're probably not looking at refining and doing all that. But definitely, well, I feel like once you're in the crisis, it's a different reaction to preventing a crisis. Does that make sense? Yeah, you have to approach and, it differently. It, there is a different approach to that. And in our example today, we're focused on how to build to prevent a household recession or how to get through a household recession. So obviously, eliminating the debt from a cash flow perspective, if you didn't have a car note, if you didn't have the credit card payments, if you didn't have payments for the home improvement or what have you, the student loan payments, that's probably... $1,000 to $2,500 a month that creates in free cash flow. That's like a tax-free raise to the household. Absolutely. So in the good times, that's fun money, right? right? Or retirement money or whatever. But in the bad times, that's money that doesn't have to go out. It's not part of your essential budget. So after we have the debt eliminated, I feel like the next phase is building emergency savings. Yeah, well, you need to have kind of an emergency fund. A rule of thumb would, would be three to six months of expenses and savings. But that might not always hold true either. If you uh, have a larger family or you might be the breadwinner, self-employed could be out more nine to 12 months. So it's not really just the short term. We really need to have those savings for that event where something like this happens. You might lose your job. You might have the big expense with a car, something that comes up. Really just having those funds there so it doesn't derail your financial plan. Shocking stat kind of that I saw was 60% of Americans don't even have $1,000 saved. You would think that their monthly expenses are more than $1,000. So if something were to come up, that's going to be a big, big shock to their plan or, or to how they're going to move forward. Another thing we get a lot of times is, well, if I have this money, what do I do with it? Where should I put these savings? You know, do I invest it back in the market? No, these are the liquid funds you need in, in case of emergencies usually in some type of savings accounts. These online savings accounts usually have pretty good interest rates. So suggest maybe looking some type of savings accounts there uh, to get a little bit of interest that's liquid that you can access in uncertain times. 
So your emergency savings is not your go to Disney money. No, it's worst case scenario. Something happens. How can we get some liquidity? I think something that we, I wouldn't say we see a lot, but occasionally it'll happen is people wanting to make withdrawals. They think of their 401k, their IRA as their savings. Is that something that we should think about in our heads that our retirement portfolios are part of our savings? That's unfortunate that so many people think that way because it's really not the correct way to think about our finances. You can look at the money that we have in our total financial plan as some dollars are cheap to access and some dollars are expensive to access. To withdraw money from a 401k is very expensive. There's taxes, there's penalties, and then there's a lost opportunity for growth of capital for the future. So to take money from that is probably the worst idea that we can have if we need money, which really is the reason for having this emergency savings because it's, as Matthew said, it's liquid, it's cheap, it was just sitting there so it doesn't cost you anything. It had no other purpose in mind other than to fulfill emergency spending. Right. You don't want to liquidate to have to have that emergency. You don't want that to affect your retirement. That's why you don't want to access those other accounts. This should be there for the, the near term. Yeah. I, I think something else we hear about too is like, well, I don't have a whole lot of savings, but I keep this credit card over here with a $10,000 limit available. So if I need something, I can tap into that credit card. And I think in my vision of an emergency savings, looking at some economic concerns we have today, the reality is that maybe that $10,000 credit card is 10 to 18% interest. How are you going to get it paid back? That's right. Again, if you have a job. That's an expensive money. And then now you have that minimum payment. So now you don't have a job. You got to make the, you got to make the payment. And again, pulling in that money out of the, the your 401k, worst case scenario, which I feel like is bankruptcy. In a worst case scenario, your, your 401k, your retirement savings is generally protected during that process. You're not having to liquidate a portfolio to pay off creditors. So not going to a credit card to make your situation worse down the road and not using the portfolio for savings only leads to one thing and that you got to have emergency savings. It does. You know, all these are tied together. Having a budget so that you know what your expenditures are, having an emergency fund to cover those emergencies, reducing your or eliminating your debt to minimize the your cost of living, and then your portfolio, your investments themselves that are designed for specific objectives and purposes other than paying for your daily living expenditures. I think the fifth step here is something that we don't generally do during the good times, which is uh, keep our resumes updated. We never really think about that. Most of us aren't probably the best writers and don't understand modern resume formats. Even if you have to hire a service to get you started and you just update it with job description and responsibilities as, as you progress in your career, probably every year at least, you should pull up that Word document and sketch your resume in it and just make sure it's current. I think it eliminates a lot of anxiety over, oh my gosh, I, I just lost my job and then you have to go and go write this resume. So that, I think that's an added to-do is after you've got that your savings built up, <laughs> spend a little extra money and have a resume done. You know, I've heard people say that our jobs are always to look for the next job. And I don't know if that's always going to be the case, but in today's economy, 
job changing is much more frequent than it used to be. My dad worked for the same company for 43 years. That's kind of the other side of the spectrum. I don't think that's going to happen anymore, but today you need to be ready. So just in summary, five ways to recession-proof your household, create a budget, understand what you can cut out quickly, eliminate your debt, which should be a process. For some, it's just moving some money around to make sure that everything is, is taken care of. For others, it could be an 18-month or a couple-year journey to eliminate debt. Build emergency savings. Matthew, as you mentioned, three to six months of expenses, right. not income, but expenses right. to sit in emergency reserve, held to the side, not used for the family trip to Disney, but it's used for true emergencies. I'm out of money. Protect your portfolio. So the last place you want to go to is retirement savings. Cost of that could be as much as 41% if you're under 59 and a half. That's right. When you taxes and penalty. That's a big give back to the government to get access to the other 59%. And then keep your resume updated so that you can make a transition a little faster, especially if there's a recession in your industry. Everyone in your industry might be transitioning out and even a couple of days could get you ahead of someone else to get that new job. Hopefully this has helped you in thinking about how you build your household finances. Wiser Wealth Management, we offer financial planning for families on a case-by-case basis. We don't have to manage assets. So if you're struggling with how to eliminate debt and how to get your finances turned around to where your household is growing in these areas, we'll be happy to develop a plan for you. Thanks for your time, guys. Thank Thank you. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.